Uh, if you're visiting, we're, we are looking at the book of Romans. Uh, Romans is indeed the great apologetic of the Christian faith. And um, let me tell you where we are now. We're, we are in Romans 8. And from Romans 5 to Romans 8, we've been looking at the implications of what it really means to know Christ. If you've been set free, you've been set free for a reason. Now, some people have called uh, Romans the, the greatest chapter in the Bible. That sounds like a little bit of hyperbole. But let me tell you how Romans 8 begins. It begins with no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And it ends with no separation to those who are in Christ. Romans 8 is the chapter that I read to my father as he died. The last thing that he heard before he passed into eternity was Romans 8. That nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ. And so, with that in mind, let's uh, come to our text today. We're going to start back at verse 1, but we're going to focus on verses 5 uh, through 11. So read along with me. There is therefore no condemnation... For those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. And those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of Christ does now belong, does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. This is God's Word. I was channel uh, changing, flipping, surfing, whatever you call it, this, this past week. And I came upon an interesting movie. It was kind of a B movie. But it had a, it had a, a very interesting uh, story line. It's about a man who grew up in a blue-collar neighborhood in New York. It was uh, an Italian neighborhood. But he was a unique man. He was very ambitious. He had a vision for his life. Uh, he had a gift and he had a strong sense of calling. 
He didn't look down on his station in life. And he didn't look down on all of his friends who uh, were satisfied with the status quo of working from nine to five, five days a week. But he had a calling. And he wanted to move beyond the neighborhood. Of course, the majority of the people thought that he was a dreamer, that nobody ever makes it. And, uh, and his wife was bothered because uh, she didn't know why he just didn't want to go bowl on Friday night. And uh, you don't need to be investing this money in this endeavor. We just need to keep our place. And the man who played the part, I don't know who the actor is, was very, he was a very good actor. He, he, he brought you into his own sense of conflict. One of the uh, uh, great moments in the movie, and the whole movie, is, of course, is revolving around this man's sense of loneliness, but he, he has no one to talk to about his desires and his dreams and what he sees and what he understands is his own sense of calling and his gifts. And so he's outside, he's in his suit, and this says takes place in the 50s, but he's, it's raining, it's pouring down raining, and he's on his knees, and he's crying out uh, because there's no one to listen then somebody moves into the neighborhood, and they were from a different culture. And uh, they, they were next-door neighbors, and, and this person begins to sense this man's calling. And so the rest of the movie develops around the relationship between the person who sees uh, this, this uh, man who has this great sense of calling and encourages him to get where he needs to go. But, and the, she, what she saw in him was a mindset that she was certain of that he would make it. Now here's the sad part of the movie. Is I didn't get to see the end of it. <laughs> and I don't remember the name of the movie. So there you go. <laughs> don't you hate illustrations like that? But, but what it did do is, is it gave me uh, something to talk to you about because this is exactly what our text is about. Our text uh, from verses 5 to 11, very important for everyone here in this room because it's talking about the difference between the mindset of an unbeliever and the mindset of a man or a woman who's met Jesus Christ. A person who has grasped the magnitude of the new life that they have, that they've entered into the kingdom of God, and they want to move out of the neighborhood, so to speak, versus the 9 to 5 Christian. He's fine with 9 to 5. And they believe in Christianity. But the difference is one is regenerated, made alive. It is on the venture of the kingdom of God and the other lives in the neighborhood of truth and freedom but never want to wander away from the neighborhood. So there's two different mindsets that are in our text, particularly in verses 5 through 8 that I want us to look at. But let me tell you why we don't think about that too much anymore. And I've thought a lot about this. 
especially in evangelicalism. And if you, if you don't know what evangelicalism is, it tends to be Protestantism that believes the Bible. That what's happened in the last 50 to 100 years among us as evangelicals is we don't talk about two different mindsets. We basically say there are three mindsets. And one mindset is the mindset of those of you who are here today that you're not that interested in Christianity. You happen to be here. Somebody brought you here. Or maybe you're a seeker, but you're not a Christian. Your mindset's in a different place. But then there's two other categories that has developed in evangelicalism. And one is the mindset of what we call the carnal Christian. And the teaching uh, is, is basically this, that you can be a Christian, but you're not that interested in it. It has no net effect in your life. And then, of course, uh, we believe the, the third category is the really spiritual people, the people who've been touched by God. I was told that uh, <laughs> when I've been a Christian about five or six years, and, and I had relatives who got a little concerned about me because... I was interested in these things. And they said, well, you got, you got a second touch of grace. Or you're into the victorious Christian living. Or there are those who believe in the second baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there's controversy about that. But I believe this. I believe there is one baptism. There is a baptism into Christ. And when he baptizes you, you're either growing in the Holy Spirit, growing in the realities, or you're either quenching or grieving the Holy Spirit. But there is no such thing as a carnal Christian. None. There's two kind of people the Bible always talks about. Jesus is very clear that there are those who are in my kingdom who know me, they've heard my voice, they follow me, and then there are those who are part of the covenant community. And of course, there are those outside the covenant community, those who don't go to church. How did this happen? And again, I'm trying to lay some theological spade work here because you see, what I, it's my responsibility as your pastor and as a minister of the gospel to get you to think about what your mindset is. But, but you see, if you think there's the, th- the middle one, that you can be carnal, I ask Jesus into my life as Lord, but I know I, I'm just not that interested in him. Let me tell you where that came. But, but see, if you think that's, that's the way the, there's three people, <laughs> then you can say, well, I'm that one versus the other two. I mean, seriously, maybe the reason your marriage is not what it ought to be is maybe you're not saved. Maybe you don't have the Spirit of God in you. Maybe you know all about evangelical stuff. But this is definitely not what our text is teaching. In fact, there are conditional clauses that are in our text about This is true of you if this, if these things be true. Again, the reason reason we'll say this is not, not, God wants to always confront you to bring him to himself. He doesn't want to confront you so you go, I'll feel terrible about myself again. No, the goal is to move us uh, toward Christ. But why did this happen? Why why did this happen? Well, let me tell you what the Reformation was about. The Reformation was started by two major figures, Martin Luther and John Calvin. What they did was they rediscovered the gospel in the process of wanting to reform the church. And as they started wanting to reform the church, especially Martin Luther, he starts studying the book of Romans. And he goes, oh my goodness, the church is not teaching the gospel. It is teaching that Jesus Christ did this, the church has been built, and now the grace comes through the church 
based on what Christ has done, but what you do through the means of grace in the church. In other words, God does this, you do this. And uh, Luther goes, whoa, that's not what Romans is teaching. Luther is converted. I mean, there was nobody more righteous than Martin Luther, humanly speaking. And so he's converted and he says, no, this is the work of God. John Calvin follows up on that. And so the, the gospel of the Reformation was God is the God of grace. And he calls dead people. And he makes them alive by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. And then he enters them into the kingdom of God and they live lives that are submitted to Christ. Well, about one generation later, there was a gentleman named Jacobus or ja- Jacob Arminius uh, who was born in the year 1516, uh, f- 1560 and he lived to 1609. Well, he didn't like this because he understood that what Luther and Calvin were saying was that, and listen to this, that Christ didn't die for everybody. That, he did not like that teaching that Christ accomplished the work for the elect. For those who chose. And so we began the seeds of moving toward what was broadly believed in America today. And that is this. That God has done what He can do. He has sent His Son. He has done His part of the bargain. But in order to get away from these doctrines of grace and the doctrines of election and God choosing people, He, he said that God, Christ died for everybody, but it's those who believe will be saved. And gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, there's a huge difference in that because what that leads to is this. And there's one, one of two ways of believing this. It has everything to do with you. It has everything to do with what it means to live a spirit-filled life versus being dead in your sin. And that is this. Here's what our, is called Arminianism. And for y'all that are visiting, I, I hardly ever get into all these terms. But, but this is what we're bucking up against. But here's what Arminianism teaches. That Oh, Jesus Christ died on the cross. I believe that. Therefore, I'm saved. And so your salvation is based on your belief. Your salvation is based on what you do. But that is not what Romans teaches. Romans Romans does not teach you believe and then you're converted. It teaches that you're converted by the grace of God, and then you believe. But when you believe, you're converted, and it's not a belief that's intellectual, but it is pastuo. It is a living relationship with Almighty God. And so Paul is wanting to say this, you see. So Paul in Romans chapter 8 is wanting us to consider that if our security is in Christ, then there is this mindset of continually moving toward Him. So now here's my question, and then I've got, uh, as, as we begin, and then I've got two other questions, but basically my, my first one is this. Are you born again? Are you, are you carnal? Or you say, well, I'm a Christian, I, I believe in Jesus, therefore I'm saved. Or have you been made alive and you met Christ? You've been born again like I didn't exist until my mom and dad. Uh, well, we know that story. We're all here, right? You didn't ask to be here, but you're here. You're born. You know why you're born? It had nothing to do with you deciding, 
I'm, I'm going to get in my mother's womb. I didn't ask to be here. You didn't ask to be here. I didn't ask to be white. I didn't ask to be a southerner. You didn't ask to be born where you were. God has set the parameters. I want to tell you, it's even more that way in your salvation because you're dead in your sin. So here's the two things I want us to look at before we come to the Lord's table. Doesn't it make sense to you that if God saves you, that he wants you to know it? You're not struggling to be free. We talk about this, struggling, struggling to find freedom. But you're absolutely free to struggle. You're absolutely free. God wants you to know you have eternal life. And, uh, and so the question ends up being, then how would I know that? How do I really know? Because sometimes I don't feel so, so much like a Christian. I mean, am I really, I'm not sure if I'm a believer. Now, how could I treat my wife the way I do? How can I treat my husband? How can I go, no, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm just going to buck against you. Or you who are children who know Jesus Christ, maybe you're teenagers, and you're just starting to, d- to deal with your sexual, uh, you know, you're growing up, and you're going, wow, what's going on with me? And you, you, you love Jesus, and you're not a kid anymore, but you're growing up, and you're going, man, what is going on? And man, do I really know Christ? Because I have these things going on inside me that never went on beside me before. But I'm telling you that God wants you to know in all your brokenness and living in a fallen world that you are His. And so the way we know that is two things. And that is this. How do you know? Number one, what is your mindset? What is your mindset, friends? And then secondly, we learn what determines that mindset. What is your mindset on him? I mean, here's this guy. He has this vision. He has this calling. He wants to do it. And only one person saw it. He wants out of the neighborhood. He doesn't want to stay in the status quo. Well, what is your mindset? Well, notice what he says in verse 5 through 8. I don't want you to look at the text, please. This is God's word. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Is that pretty clear? Figure out what your mindset on. It's either set on the flesh or it is set on the spirit. It is set on the things of this world at a horizontal level or you begin to see everything at the horizontal level, level from the context of what rules it, which is the reign of God through the power of the Holy Spirit and the resurrected Christ. Very important. Why is Paul talking about this? Well, Paul has been having the answer that people are saying, oh, so what you're saying is if you believe in Jesus, if you've already paid for everything and every sin, past, present, future, then you can just be carnal. You can be a carnal Christian. You can just, want, you can just live how you want to live. And so Paul in Romans 6 says, no, 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 no. That's not that because you see, a person who, who is elect, chosen of God, 
covenanted by God the Father in Christ before the world began, Ephesians chapter 1, when, when he died, he died for specific actual sins. Your sins, if you're a Christian, past, present, and future, they were laid upon Christ. He didn't die for the idea of sin. If you're a Christian, he died for your actual specific sins. He died for you by name. And they were laid upon Christ, and there was a real death, and there was a real burial, and your sins were buried. And through Christ's resurrection is a sign that we were united not only in his death, but in his resurrection. That's what Romans 6 is about. You can't go, well, okay, well, whatever. I'm a Christian, and Jesus died for all my sins because I believed it and asked him into my life. No, you're not a Christian if you think that way. You're just not. Well, then the, then the Jews at this point, a lot of the moralists are saying, well, then what was the point of the whole Old Testament? What is the point of, of the law? And he says, well, the point of the law was that God is good, and so he gives us laws. But because he says in Romans chapter 2, I mean, uh, Romans 8 verse 2, he says, but what the law could not do and help us because of weakened in our flesh, because of our sin, God does something different. He sends his son that we might be united to him so that we might have life and life in the spirit. So now he's shifting this whole argument away from, hey, look, it's not about law keeping. That's legalism. It's about a relationship with Christ who kept the law of God because he wasn't like us. But now that we're married to him, we're one with him. And now guess what? We can keep the law. We tell you what he's saying. is uh, all of us had better be much more righteous than the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees hated everything they did. (laughs) And so here's what the law is like. The law is like, according to Romans 7, uh, verses 1 through 4, the law was kind of like a woman who's married to a bad husband. He's really not bad. He always does everything right. He's the guy that does everything right. And so all he can do is criticize his wife for what she does wrong. Because when she does what's right, she can't go, oh, that's wonderful. You did such a good job because she's supposed to keep the law. But Paul says in Romans 7 that when Christ died, we died with him. And just like a woman who's married to a mean, stiff guy, when he dies, she can be married to another. And then she gets to marry the, the good guy. And, uh, and so he loves her. He accepts her. No matter how much she goofs up, he loves her, accepts her. And then all of a sudden her life is being transformed, not by law, but the relationship with this man who is kind and gracious and good and faithful and loving. That's what Paul's getting at. Notice what Paul says here about the unbeliever. He says... Uh, several things uh, about the mindset. He said, first off, there's the mindset uh, about his thinking. His thinking is all wrong. What what does he say in verse 5? He says, they set their mind uh, on things of the flesh. The word here, flesh, is sarx, and it's really talking about an unregenerate person. And, And there's an unregenerate person, their mindset on unregenerate stuff. They're not that interested in the things of God. Uh, it could be pornography. That could be the flesh, right? Your mindset on pornography. Your mindset on video games. Your mind is set on 
your business and success. Your mind is set on, will my wife ever love me? Will my husband ever love me? Will Redeemer ever be what it ought to be? Your mind is set on things that are horizontal. But your mind could also be set on things that are horizontal because you choose a religion that's not the right one. You can be a religious person. You can be a reformed person. And you love reformed books. You love reading about election. Oh, that a boy how you tell those Armenian people about election. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's the flesh. One of the worst things out there is hyper-Calvinism. A lot of us are really, when it gets right down to it, best hyper-Calvinists. We believe God's sovereign, but it has not, it's not affecting anything in our lives. But what is the mindset of a person, of a believer? It says that his mind is set on things of the Spirit. And what does that mean? It means uh, you like being with Christians. I've had some of y'all tell me, and I can't remember who you are, but man, I like being with pagans a lot more than I like being with Christians. I'm like, seriously? And, uh, but, but no, you like being with God's people. I mean, I spend time with people that I never would have spent time with if I weren't a believer. And y'all probably feel that way about me too, so... You love his word. You want to, you don't want to, get, and when I say you love his word, I'm not saying you don't have dry times. I'm not saying you don't just some, but listen, I'm telling you elders, if y'all not reading the scriptures, you're not praying, we're not looking to God for God's people, then our mind is on things of the world. This is it's the flesh. But so you can be a religious person and your mind is set on things of the flesh. But it's also a, a way of living. Notice what he says in verse 6. The mindset of the flesh is death. The mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset of those who are believers is peace and life. So if you, get, if you start latching on things at a horizontal level, you start, you start trusting all those things that according to the laws of thermodynamics are going to just pass away anyway. And so, you, so you, uh, death is when you, you, know, you think your business or you think your marriage, or you think a great ministry, Redeemer growing and growing, and but it doesn't bring life. Uh, it brings death. How you do business? Listen, guys, it, uh, if you're a businessman, uh, you either bring life or death to those business associates you work with. You either live according to God's law, and you bring life, and you say, Lord, if I keep my word on this one, I'm going to lose. I'm going to go bankrupt. And so, you know what you do? You go, well, I know that I'm being carnal. <laughs> but you know what Psalm 15 says that Jesus kept? You keep your oath even when it hurts. You're a dishonest businessman. I, I know that my father, uh, one of the reasons he backed away, he got real close to being a, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he, he was really excited. But, but by the time I was born, I don't remember this. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Because he started hearing the evangelical truths from the evangelical church. And then he went into business with some evangelical men who weren't so evangelical when it came to keeping their end of the deal. And my father hardened his heart for the rest of his life. Brings death. How about you who are dating? Are you bringing life to the person you're dating? You're getting serious about a person? Or are you really using their bodies to fulfill your own pleasures? But we really love each other. Well, then, then bring life to each other. Pray together. 
Go do downtown ministries together. You see, we're either bringing life or we're bringing death because uh, our mindset is one or the other. It's, it's the zombie movie I talked about several weeks ago. Remember the zombie movies? The reason they're so popular is because what do zombies do? They eat people. And then when they eat people, guess what happens to those people they eat? They turn into zombies. And then they eat people. And some of the greatest zombies in, in the kingdom of God or the, visible, or the visible church are church members. We don't forgive each other. We don't love each other. We eat each other. But the opposite of being a zombie, and, and that's why they're so popular, right? The zombie, it's like, what? It's the same thing. They all eat each other. It's another movie about eating people and turning them in. The reason they're so powerful is because it is a picture of the flesh. But what is a Christian? A Christian is someone, you husbands, you, you wives, you children, you businessmen, you people on dates, are someone that when people feed upon you, you bring them life. So, what is your mindset? Are people around you coming to Christ? Is your wife feeling like, man, my husband, I tell you what, he loves Christ and he loves me. And when he doesn't do wrong, when he chews on me a little bit, he says, man, I took a bite out of you, didn't I? Would you please forgive me of that? This is the gospel. The mind that is set on the things of the flesh is death, but the mind set on the things of the spirit is life and peace. And what is the peace talking about? It's saying you're not at war with God. Look, a Christian goes to, he eats every day, and he's not worried about the curse and wrath of God. He goes to ball games. He hangs out with friends, you know, and, and he's, he is alive. He'll never be condemned. Well, that's the mindset. The, the, the last thing I want to look at is what determines that mindset? Right. Would y'all agree with that? That's what that text is saying. Whatever your mind's set on. You want to find out if you're a Christian or not? What do you think about all the time? This is not fair. That person did this to me. Or I don't really believe the gospel anymore. Or you started out for a while and it seemed like it was great and you're going, man, I don't know. I don't know if I believe this anymore. And so you begin to move away from reading the scriptures and being with other Christians. Matter of fact, if you quit coming to church a lot, I'm worried about you. Because you're not doing well. But, so, where's your mindset? But what determines that mindset? Look, look, real quick, verses 9 through 11. And then we'll look at this and, and, uh, and we'll come to the Lord's Supper. Notice what he says. But you, you, here's the contrast. You, believer, you're not in the flesh but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What is the difference? The difference is this. He says, I'm convinced of this. You're not of the flesh, but you're of the spirit if the spirit of God dwells in you. And there's, there's kind of a past, present, and future to that. Uh, what is the past? Well, we're united to Christ. When he died, we died with him. Uh, that's what he means here when he talks about, uh, he says, but if Christ is in you, uh, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life is because of righteousness. What, what, that says, what, is, what that means is that I'm a Christian, but I still have this body of death. But God has made me alive in Christ, in the present. 
And so you're made alive. You have, you, your nature's been changed. And because your nature has been changed, uh, because of what God has done, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, then one of the great signs of being a believer is what he says here in, uh, in verse 11. And, let, and we'll close on this. That if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Let me, let me, let me say this, and then let's close. One of the great signs that the spirit of God is dwelling in you is not sometimes that you feel victorious. Because Paul very clearly in Galatians chapter 5 says that the spirit wrestles with the flesh and the flesh with the spirit. That the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and long-suffering. All these things. And how do those things usher forth? They're ushering out of the conflict we have with our own flesh. So reformers say that we're in the already and the not yet. A sign that the Spirit of God has come to you is that you love God and you look forward to Him who is coming. But you feel this conflict in your flesh, that thing I want to be. I want to be a pastor. Do y'all realize how sometimes I just feel terrible? I don't feel like I'm the pastor I need to be. You know why? Because I feel like if I preach better, your marriages would be better. I feel like if I preach better, you'd be excited about Christ. Then do I beat myself up about it? No, but it convicts me. But you know what? I know I'm united to Christ. Uh, his preaching 2,000 years, years ago was my preaching. His life was my life. But there's this conflict, the already and the not yet. I am entered the kingdom of God, but I'm not quite yet there. And so we have in this body of death, this mortal body, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to look at this next week, that we, we're sown mortal we're raised immortal. But the Spirit of Christ must dwell in that which is buried so that that which would be raised would be a glorified body. You really want to go to heaven? I mean, you see, heaven, if you're not enjoying God now, you won't enjoy Him then. If you do not desire to be with God's people now, you don't, you're certainly not going to enjoy doing it forever. But Paul says this, that for those who die and are raised with Christ, that they will then have a spiritual body. And you know what that means? What that means is that you'll always be led by the Spirit. You'll never be a disappointing pastor, disappointing mother, disappointing friend. You won't be hiding from everybody like we all do here on this planet. You know why? Because then you will always be led by the Spirit. Is that your desire now? That you look forward to that day when you'll no longer sin against Him because you love Him so much now. That's the mindset of a believer. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we can't make ourselves believe, and yet you're willing for anybody that's here that wants to submit their lives to Christ and come to you, they can know that power this morning of forgiveness and life and hope. Father, even those who maybe have been living in the neighborhood of truth for years and years and years, but have never sensed your calling, if they sense it this morning, Lord, cause them to know that whosoever will may come. There's no one here this morning that doesn't not have to know 
the grace of God and the love of Christ. For your word teaches that whosoever will may come. And so, Lord, would you convert people this morning to know the joy of the forgiveness of sins and the life that is in Jesus Christ. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Those helping with communion would come forward.